Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. We've talked about the five core principles of fast freestyle in previous episodes, and we're now up to core principle number five, so the very final one. So core principle number one was breathe deep and relax. Core principle number two is find your balance. Core principle number three is uh, rock return and align. And then core principle number four is develop an effective catch and pull. Now, the last one is find your rhythm and timing. So to me, this is like the art or the dancing part of freestyle. It's putting it all together in a way that suits you well. Because as you know, there's so many different types of freestyle. You know, no two swimmers generally look the same. There's differences, particularly among all the all the elite swimmers. There's so many um, differences in sort of style and, and technique, but they've got all of these fundamentals that we've covered in the past four episodes. So fighting your rhythm and timing, this is this is really about making sure everything comes together. And the first thing here that we generally want to try and do is your kick timing and coordinating your down kick and your catch on the same side. So one way that this often gets explained is that you want to kick down on your, say, left foot as your right hand enters the water, so the opposite sides of the body. Now, that's 100% correct. You want to kick down on your left foot while your right hand enters. So that can be one way to think of the, the kick timing. But another way to think of it, and I find this a little bit easier to, to tune into, is you want to try and coordinate the downward kick on your left side with the catch on your left side. Particularly, um, you know, for sprinting, look, you're probably not gonna be able to feel it, but for more dis- like middle to long distance swimming, you're gonna be able to feel for it because sprinting's that little bit different. You know, the, the rating's up, the kick is fast, you're not gonna be able to feel for it there. But for anything that's kind of like a 200 or 400 meter event or longer, then you can kind of tune into this sort of timing. So when you get the downward kick and the catch happening at the same time, time on the same side that can really get things to to work together because one thing that we see with swimmers that are a little bit less experienced a little bit more in the beginner end is that often the the kick is working independently of the of the arms so things aren't sort of timed very well but how we can swim fast for very little effort is if we can coordinate the timing of things so one of the ways to do it is to get the, the kick timing to happen. So what happens here is that when the, the downward kick happens on your leg, so this is when the foot moves from up near the surface to, to down. So when that happens, that downward flick of the foot kind of sends this energy through the leg up to the hip and sort of up to your, your core. And it gives that little bit of stabilization for you then to feel as though you've got something to pull against. Because when you're in the water, there's obviously it's liquid. There's nothing stable there. You're not grounded. But it's that downward motion of the kick that transfers that little bit of sort of energy, gives that stabilization through the hip and the core to then feel like you can sort of pull against it. And so that's when when you see someone who's just like you know really in tune and they've got this nice rhythm happening. That's one important factor to, to that. So there's a couple of ways you can uh, go about developing that. And um, one, one way I find to sort of to do that is to just focus on one side only to begin with. 
So the way you might approach it is you might do, let's say it's like 10 fifties with 20 seconds rest in between each one. And all you're focused on is just trying to get the downward kick and the catch to happen on, on let's only your right side to begin with. And uh, when you do get it, you'll feel it. You'll know when it's happening together. So um, you'll notice a big difference in it. And when you're not quite there, you'll probably feel a little bit disjointed or things just aren't coordinated very well. So that's the first thing is the kick timing that we wanna get. Now, the other thing that we look for here or the other thing we wanna start to develop is your ability to use different types of kick. So we talked about this in uh, core principle number two, and, and we said we talked about a two beat, a four beat, and a six beat kick. So I think it's really useful, more so for middle to long distance swimmers, to be able to change the type of kick that they're, they're doing. So a six beat kick you'd consider to be like a, a constant kick or a continuous kick, where there's not really much of a, a pause happening there. It's just like a, you know, a steady kick. Um, and that's what you know, I'd say probably most people tend to use, especially when they first, first start. Um, and it's a, it's a good thing to be able to do because when you wanna really pick up the speed, a six beat kick's gonna allow you to do it. It can be a little bit more tiring than a two or a four beat kick, but it's definitely a good thing to have, uh, especially when you're trying to, to pick up the pace. Uh, and for like, particularly like open water swimmers or you know, competitive pool swimmers, it's, it's what you're going to need to have to be able to bring home the last 50 or the last 100 or 200 of your event is a six-beat kick. You're probably going to want to increase it to a six-beat kick if you weren't using it because it does allow you to swim at a higher top-end speed. So a six-beat kick's important. Um, and the, the reason it's called six-beat is because uh, it's basically three kicks to one arm stroke. So with both arm strokes, so left, right, there'd be six kicks happening in total. So that's the, the first one. Now the other two kicks, a two and a four beat kick, can be really good for middle to long distance swimming, especially in the open water, or especially if you've got a, if you wear a wetsuit when you're competing or when you're swimming. Now the reason for that is a two and a four beat kick, obviously you're kicking less. And the kick can be what uses a lot of energy for people where the heart rate really can cause the heart rate to come up. So with a, an easy two or four beat kick, then it can, you can sort of conserve your energy a lot better than if you're using a, a six beat kick. So a, a two beat kick uh, is probably the easier one to start with. And that's where you do one kick to one arm stroke. And it's particularly easy in, in a wetsuit because you've got that buoyancy of the wetsuit and most people don't kick much at all when they do have a wetsuit on. So it's easy to sort of just get that, that feel for a two-beat kick. And the way that you can uh, sort of time it is like what we mentioned before. You can either think of it as when your left hand enters, you could kick with your right, down with your right foot. Or you could think of it as when your right foot kicks, you want to go through the catch on your right hand side. Uh, so just sort of doing it that way. And there's going to be a pause there. It's going to be like, left kick and a pause, right kick and a pause, left kick. So it's not that continuous like a six beat. Now four beat kick is one that I find can really take some practice to get used to, but it's something that I'm, I'm a big fan of, especially for most of the adults that I work with. And I've really tried to develop this with a lot of the swimmers that I coach inside the stroke analysis membership where they send in their videos because for the majority of them, they're doing uh, some sort of triathlon or open water racing. And, um, and a lot of them are either using like a, a two beat or a six beat, 
But this four-beat kick, I find can, for most people, can allow you to be a little bit, you know, have a slightly faster speed than a two-beat does, but it uses less energy than a six-beat kick. So it's something that I've developed, tried to develop with a lot of lot of swimmers and, um, and we found it to be quite, quite beneficial. So a four-beat kick is basically, it's almost like a hybrid of a two and a six-beat. So the way that, um, that you might think of it, it's, it's one kick on one arm stroke and then three kicks on the other arm stroke. So the, the timing, the way I think of this, if I'm doing it myself, it's a, it's a one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So there's this little bit of a pause in, that, in the kick. And that pause often comes in when we're getting the breath. So for me, I, I would usually breathe on my left-hand side. So I'll have the one kick happen when I'm breathing to my left and my right hand's out in front. So I'm getting this kind of like, it feels like a bit of a glide. It's kind of, it's some um, right hands reaching forwards and I'm going one and then two, three, four. And then I'm back on my right hand out front, one, two, three, four. So the four beat is a, um, a really good thing to try and develop to give you another option there. Now you're not gonna be, typically you're not gonna be fixed with using just a two beat or just a four beat or just a six beat. It's probably gonna change. For me, when I'm, when I'm training, uh, it's, it changes uh, depending on what we're, what we're doing. So if we're doing like a descending, um, a descending set or a set like where we're getting basically faster as we go through, let's say it's like a, a 10, 400 set and we're going the first four at like 60%, the next three of those at 70, then two at uh, 80 and the last one at 90% or close to, closer to max, um, then I'm going to probably change the kick as I go. I'll probably start with like a, a two or a four beat kick for those early ones. But then as I get towards the very last one, I'm gonna be using, um, you probably like a, a combination of like a four beat kick. And then I'm gonna bring in the six beat kick for the last like hundred essentially. So it's gonna change depending on the speed and the effort that you're, that you're doing. Um, but it's good to have those options there to give you a few more gears to, to use. And that stuff, it's, it's a little bit more advanced. So you might be listening to this and um, yeah, you, maybe you're not quite there yet. You might want to work on those other couple of principles. But if you are there, it's certainly something that can um, that can give you a lot more options when you're swimming. Now, the other part of this uh, core principle is the uh, the serape effect and the and the hip drive. So the serape effect is is kind of like this. Um, the way I'd explain it, it's kind of like you've got this elastic band almost running from your uh, your your rib cage on one side of your bo- of your body diagonally through your through your core and it connects up with your uh, your pelvic girdle kind of like your hips and if you were to sort of uh, sort of look at it it's almost like this this ribbon so um, two bits connect to the the hips or the pelvis and then it sort of comes up and it runs around your rib cage so that's it's this band of muscles that you that you use um, and it they sort of work together and so where you would often see this is like when someone's pitching a baseball and they'll really sort of, they'll rotate their hips and their shoulders and they'll load up this tension through that, uh, through that band of muscles. And then as they start to throw the ball, they'll get this snapback effect. And it's those muscles shortening or contracting and they get a lot of power that's derived from the, from the hips. So that's the serape effect. And it's in use in, in swimming as well. Um, now, again, it's one of those things that you can't really, it's very hard to see because it's happening internally, but the way that you know it's happening is when you see someone 
who's got this beautiful sort of rhythm and timing to their to their stroke. So developing that serape effect is uh, a little bit more advanced, but it's something that we you know that, that can basically allow you to get a lot of power for very little effort compared to if you're not not getting it. Um, now the way that I would sort of think of this is, am I getting it or or not or you know, can, can I feel for this serape effect? Um, the, the way I, I picture it is it's like when, you, uh, when you're reaching forwards and you're, you're on your side, you're getting this lengthening through your, like your, uh, almost like your hip flexor, it feels like, through your core, up through your um, torso and kind of through your shoulder. It's like this lengthening, like a rubber band uh, expanding or, or getting stretched. And then as you go through the catch and the pull, You'll feel this. You'll feel it sort of contracting, and, and those muscles will shorten. And and when you sort of time it well, and you don't try and overpower it either, you just kind of let it um, let it find its its rhythm. That's that's when you feel that serape effect. So it's this lengthening of your of your of those muscles. Feels like a rubber band getting stretched, and it's got this tension built up, and then it can release. All right. So that's what we're going for. And there's a couple of drills which I'll talk about in a moment, which can sort of help you with that. Um, but it is one of those things that's a little bit more ad- advanced and depending on sort of where you're at, you may not want to, you know, you probably don't need to think too much about that yet until you're probably at around that one, 130 to 140 per 100 pace is probably when we'd start to consider that for, for most people. Now, the other, the other one that we look at here, and we touched on this in core principle number four, is, is hand speed. So that slow to fast movements. So we, we talk a little bit about in core principle number four because it's certainly a factor, but here we can start to consider it a little bit more. So that's where when the hand enters and you're reaching forwards, it's going to go through that part of the stroke a little bit slower than it will through the back. So it's that gentle acceleration through the, the arm movement under the water uh, that, can, that can help sort of get that timing right as well. The other thing uh, that we can look at here is uh, like, a, like a split tempo. So um, one way that you can increase your stroke rate is to, like, it's basically, all right, your stroke rate is um, how long does it take you to complete a stroke or a stroke cycle. Now, one way that you can shorten that stroke cycle is to recover your arm over the top of the water a little bit faster. So while you will still like, you'll still pull through the water a little bit quicker we don't want to rush that part of the stroke too much because then you're probably going to feel like you're spinning the wheels and you're slipping a little bit. So what we can do instead to shorten that stroke cycle is to recover the arm over the top of the water a little bit faster. So let's say, for example, okay, it's your stroke rate is, is 60 strokes per minute, which would be uh, one second for each arm stroke. So your left arm's one, your right arm's two, and, and so on. Now, if if you were to shorten your uh, stroke cycle, so let's say it's, okay, one second per stroke. Let's say you were able to come over the top of the water 0.1, so one-tenth of a second quicker. That would mean that it'll take you 0.9 of a second to do your left arm, 0.9 of a second to do your right arm. So you've effectively gone from, uh, you've reduced your, or so basically increased your stroke rate by, uh, what are we there, like 10, 10%. So you've gone from like one second down to 0.9. And all you've done is increase the speed at which your arm comes over the top of the water. Now, you're probably going to find that you, you, your uh, distance per stroke hasn't decreased 
at all from that. Maybe a little bit, but hardly at all. And so that's one sort of factor that you've got to play with to then look at um, your stroke rate or your cadence. Uh, the other thing with, um, with split tempo there is that with a lot of swimmers and especially good distance swimmers, we see, and a good example of this is Katie Ledecky or um, Gregorio Paltrinieri is very good at this as well. It's, you'll see that they're kind of um, faster on one side, like let's say their left side compared to their right side. So the, and that develops this sort of more of like a, a loping freestyle or galloping sort of freestyle. So that's, um, that's a, another thing that you may want to consider developing in your stroke. So the, the way that I would teach it or picture it is it's like on one side, you, you feel like you're reaching for a little bit longer and um, you take a little bit more time on it. And then on the other side, so let's say your right arm's a longer one, your left one's going to sort of move through that a little bit quicker. It's going to start the catch a bit sooner and you're not going to spend as much time in that reach phase of the stroke. So it's like, it's almost imbalanced. Um, and that's, it's not a bad thing. You know, I've, I've heard coaches say, you know, you should have a, a, an even stroke, like left side, right side's exactly the same. But again, you just don't see it at, at the elite level with all swimmers. With some, absolutely. Like if you look at Ariane Titmus, she's a very even, very balanced swimmer and she breathes that way. Uh, but if you were to try and get Ledecky to do that, then it would really impact her, her stroke. She breathes to the one side only, um, and she's got that little bit more of a galloping stroke. So it just depends on what kind of swimmer you are, what sort of suits you best. Uh, so just that's that individuality. That's that dancing. It's that art part of the stroke, um, and it's about finding what works best for you. And so a really good time to practice that stuff is, uh, is in training. Uh, particularly in a set where you're getting the chance to sort of push the pace a little bit. Now, there's a lot of um, drills that we've sort of got here inside the, the membership to develop all this sort of stuff. Um, some that are quite unique, you might not have seen them before. One of my favorite ones for sort of developing this cross connection through the body and getting things to, to connect is um, fiddle faddle drill. Now, this is where you put one fin on, let's say it's on your right foot, and you'll put a hand paddle on your left hand. So on opposite sides, you've got one paddle on, you've got one fin on. That can sort of help you feel this connection through the through the body or through the stroke. So I quite like fiddle faddle drill. Another really simple one is um, freestyle with butterfly kicks or, or dolphin kicks. So you do one arm stroke with one dolphin kick. And that really sort of gets you to feel for that that hip drive and that connection through through there. It kind of gets you to feel that serape effect a little bit. So they're two of the drills that um, sort of feature inside the uh, the training plan here in the membership. And there's a whole bunch of um, other ones as well that you can that you can use and, and that are quite good. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the the five core principles of fast freestyle. The link here for the uh, for the podcast, I'll put a link where you can sort of have the summation of each of these these principles and um, and look at that for for sort of reference there. And um, and this is a good way to follow or a good good structure to follow if you're not sure where to start with your um, with your freestyle. Now the other thing that we released, I released this about three weeks ago, was the the eight week faster freestyle program, and it's about it, it follows the five core principles, but it's just got a really easy to follow structure to it. So um, week one, kind of work on that breathing and relaxation, and it's got a suggested warm up, and then there's three sessions to do to sort of help. Uh, work on that part of the stroke. And then week two is the, the same thing, but we we, we um, progress for, through each parts of the, the stroke. So 
It's um, what most of our members are going through at the moment is this eight-week faster freestyle course. So um, if you'd like to get that, it's only available inside the Effortless Swing membership, um, but it's got all the drills and training plans there to develop your, your freestyle. And what we're finding is that uh, across that eight weeks, you're going to find some extra speed, some extra time in each of those couple of, couple of weeks. And the, the thing that often happens is that you know, people sometimes get overwhelmed. There's so much to think about. There's so much to focus on. But with a sort of simple step-by-step uh, pro, you know, process to follow, you don't have to think too much about it. You can just keep it really simple. It's really one thing a week. And then just as you go through that eight weeks, I promise you by the, by the end of that, you'll find yourself feeling pretty good and, and that speed will come up. I've got no doubt about that. So um, you can check out the eight-week faster freestyle program just inside the membership there if you'd like to. I'm also going to put a, um, a, a 20% discount link to the membership if you uh, are not a member. So I'll put that coupon uh, inside the show notes as well. So you can check that out um, wherever you're listening to this. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Again, just if, if this is useful to you and you know someone else who would enjoy it, please share the podcast. And I'd love it if you could leave a review on the iTunes store because it helps us get in front of more people. So uh, thanks for listening. I'll see you next week with another podcast episode. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.